Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to For the Long Run, the podcast exploring the why behind what keeps runners running long, strong, and motivated. I'm your host, Jonathan Levitt. I've been running for a few years now and have the privilege of meeting many incredible runners on my travels all across the country. This podcast is intended to share those amazing conversations. Today's guest is Andy Cozzarelli. Andy is a pro runner for Wazelle, Generation UCAN, Jazz Yoga, Big Spoon Roasters, Inside Tracker, and the newly formed Raleigh Distance Project that she helped to create. In addition to running, Andy is a former engineer turned real estate appraiser. Andy's been a runner for nearly 15 years and has learned a lot over that time. Andy's all about the community aspect of running, and joining Wazelle's Haute Volley team in 2015 helped to kickstart that. Andy and I sat down while she was in Boston for the marathon, so please forgive us if we still seem to have a secondhand runner's high or lack of a voice from too much cheering. Enjoy. Hello again. I'm here with Andy Cozzarelli in Boston, Massachusetts. Thanks for uh, joining in today, Andy. Thanks for having me. Of course. So we are here today. Uh, Boston Marathon was yesterday, um, and this was your first time experiencing the the magic of Boston. So what, what was that like? Uh, probably the coolest thing I have ever experienced. Um, I had heard stories about how good it was, and... Um, you know, I had a teammate here last year who experienced the uh, terrible, awful weather that was last year, and um, she still had a great experience. And so um, the, going into this weekend, I had kind of come off of a couple of races I wasn't super happy about, and then um, was feeling really down about it, talked to my sports psychologist, and um, kind of... I was super excited to come out here just knowing that I could get a lot of energy from the weekend and um, definitely felt like I did. This morning's run was fantastic. So that was a good way riding to end the high. The, yeah, riding the high. Good way to end the weekend. So, yeah. Nice. So you mentioned you work with a sports psychologist. Uh, let's hear a little bit about that. Yeah. So his name is Dr. Swope. He is based in um, Brevard, North Carolina. And I had actually worked with him previously. NC State was connected with him a little bit. And um, he had done some stuff with Zat Fitness when I was um, back in college. And so um, our team got connected with him again this year. So we actually work with him as our sports team, sports psychologist. And he's been super helpful for just... um, just, you know, whenever I'm kind of feeling like something's getting in there in my head that I can't get out. And for me right now, it's been, uh, he talked me through it and it's kind of the, I was having an issue with, I think three things, the, the past, the present and the future. So in my head, I was thinking about, um, my past self, my past times I've run and, uh, um, then thinking presently about how I want to run those times and how I want to do them now and that, and then thinking future that I'm running at a time, um, that I don't have the opportunity that's, that I'm wasting time if I continue to not 
let it happen. And so, um, kind of forcing things kind of make trying to, you know, run what I want to run, um, because I know I'm fit enough, but it's got to still be, there's still some patience to it. And the last couple of years being kind of not so great have been forcing that issue more and more because I just want results. Um, you can train all day fantastically and do all these things, but until you can, you know, get out there and prove it Execute. when it matters, yeah. then you're just kind of spinning your wheels and talking a lot of talk, but yeah. So cool. Well, you've spent the last couple of years focused on your health and you've had some things you've learned over the last few years, starting in college and, um, a podcast I did with Devin Yanko comes to mind where she talked about, you know, the running is, is nice, but you know, you can't make, you can't make decisions that put your health in jeopardy. So, um, let's talk about like being your own advocate. What can, what can you share with people about, um, you know, if something feels off, what do you do? What, or what did you do? Uh, yeah. So for me, um, it's been a long process with my health. I think, um, coming out of college, well, in college, I struggled with a lot of the under eating type of stuff. I'm definitely not your, your tiny, tiny runner. And there's nothing wrong with that type of runner. It's just that it's, there's different body types and that's not mine. And, but I wanted to be that body type. So I was constantly trying to eat less so that I could be smaller and smaller and that, and I, but I wasn't under eating to a point where it was, I guess, making me, uh, I wasn't in a, a anorexic or like type of some type of eating disorder state. It was that like f just slightly under eating to the point that you don't really lose weight. You're just kind of stagnant and you feel like you gain weight easily. And that's where I was. And whenever I talked to somebody about this problem about, I feel like I gain weight so easily, they would always say, well, you need to eat more and that's your biggest problem. And that, that mentality and that, that way of speaking to me was so disconnected because it makes you feel like they're just not listening to you. You know, you say like, I have this problem and it's, it's, and I, I don't know why. And then when their response is the exact opposite of what you're feeling, it just makes you think that you're the one, like you, they just don't care or they don't know what you're trying to say and that they don't have the answer. And so I kind of struggled with that through, um, coming out of college and in the first couple of years. And, um, I think I also am that have that same mentality of like, you can just keep working harder and you'll just keep getting better. But to a point that ran out and, um, I did that for a little bit and going into the 2016 Olympic trials, overdid it, overtrained. And the, luckily I was working with a good nutritionist who got me connected with inside tracker. And we were able to see some of that, um, that, that the overtraining type stuff going on. Um, but then, you know, coming off of that overtraining, it's been definitely difficult to figure out the right paths, the right steps and to figure out the health issues. Because, um, I've, I had gone to several doctors that don't, really get the athlete mentality, the perspective, the, the whole dynamic, because we're so in tune with like these tiny little things that are going wrong with our bodies that, but we're not, we're not like you're just average, really sick individual. So, um, trying to find the right people that got that, like that understood, like I, something's off, but it may not be this 
huge. It's not catastrophic. It's not catastrophic. Yeah. And so um, I had to, I ended up going more into the natural route with a functional medicine doctor in, um, named Bree Weiselman and then also Tawny Prazak, who was super helpful in just kind of changing that mindset on the um, under eating and um, more of a healthful perspective on that. And so, but it, it was a struggle. I went to a doctor that uh, I went and t- I told him what was going on. He did some testing, told me that my functional medicine doctor was basically not going to help me. Um, and then told me I was feeling better than I thought I was. So, and I was just like, you, you, how, you, how can you even say that? Right. You don't know. So, um, and it was, it was a bad rabbit hole to go down going to the wrong people. And when I found the right people, it was like, okay, this is, this is where I need yeah, to I'm be. not crazy. I'm not yeah. crazy. I know. And that, I, that can have a huge psychological impact on you as well. So, yeah. I mean, it's, you hear it over and over again that like, you just, you're just like a piece in the system and you just have to keep pushing and like, no, this is not right. This is not right. This is not right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's awesome when you can, you know, finally keep pushing and find the right people. Let's talk about your experience with Tani. I have a lot of friends that have worked with her and, and she does amazing work um, with athletes in particular. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what was that like? And, and uh, maybe briefly introduce who, who Tani is. Yeah, so Tani Prezak is a nutrition, I think she's a nutrition scientist and exercise physiologist background. She was also a really great triathlete in her um, back in a few years ago. Um, but she also kind of dealt with some different eating disorder type um, behavior. And uh, she ended up with a lot of different gut related issues and the whole slew of stuff that comes with under eating because it's not just this weight thing, there's other problems that come along with that. So, um, GI distress, um, you have higher risk for infection, you have, um, your hormonal imbalance, you, there's thyroid problems can come up a whole, a bunch of stuff. And so, um, she worked with me on, she, she first though, she did, she did a very extensive questionnaire kind of getting a background on me. Um, she asked me what I was eating about down to the, like the little bits of everything, um, and then, and then we also did some testing to see, um, because I have, you know, history with like celiac gluten-free stuff and I also am lactose intolerant, you know, I've got a lot of gut related problems already. So she kind of, uh, we got into that. She did, she ordered stool tests and we did some different hormonal stuff because, um, big problem that I was having was uh, secondary amenorrhea, which she had struggled with in the past as well. So she knew kind of more in depth on that. And so. Uh, that was why I reached out to her in the first place was the secondary amenorrhea stuff. Um, because I, I was, I, I was a, a more healthy weight, uh, coming out for the, for, for a few years there after college, um, was training really well. Things were going really well. Um, with no problems other than the fact that I was not getting a period. And so I went to her after coming off my first marathon, which was super successful. And, but at that point I was like, there's going to be a time when this is going to run out where this positive, this great, this training that's going well and perfect is going to run out if I don't figure things out here. And there's other health consequences down the road with not having your period. And um, so she started kind of part of what she did for me was she also made me see like the light of that. She talked to me in a way that was supportive and understanding of my position of where I was, but she also explained to me what was happening with my body, which was when you're not eating enough and you hold on to more fat and you hold on to this 
you're restricted, you're restricting your food, but your bo- your body's trying to keep you alive. So it acts like you're starving and it holds on to more of what you bring in. And, but then your, your body starts shutting down other or other systems because it, it's not, doesn't think that if you can't support another a life, then it's not going to have your reproductive hormones working. Um, your, your digestive system will stop working to a point if it's, if your body is perceiving so much stress from under eating. Um, so she told me, she taught me those things that I hadn't heard from any other, from another doctor. Um, I had been given stuff. I had been gone to an endocrinologist who said, here, take this. Um, so I had given, been given band-aid solutions, but no real long-term help. And that was what Tawny gave me. It was something more, more specific about actually improving where I was and all that. So she was great. That's awesome. Yeah. She's, uh, she's a great resource for the, for the endurance community and particularly the, the female uh, athletes out there. Um, let's switch gears a little bit. Let's talk about the running community. Um, you are active on social, you're active in the Raleigh community. Um, you're active within Wazelle. Let's talk about, um, Let's go first with the Raleigh Distance Project. Tell me about tell me about that. Yeah, so the Raleigh Distance Project was kind of born out of there was, uh, we were I I was running in Raleigh. I used to get up at like five a.m. by myself, grinding it out um, with, and there was one other girl that I had convinced to get up with me. So the two of us would run uh, every once in a while during the week, uh, five a.m., four thirty, whatever it was, and. Um, and then we started convincing some other people to do it with us. So we got we got a third third in there. So that was Rita and Aaron. And then um, you know, we and then there was another girl at NC State that was still on the team and she wanted to continue to p- train post collegiately. Um, but she didn't know if there was any other opportunity for her elsewhere. And she was, she was just going to stay in Raleigh and see what happens. And I said, just do it. We're going to figure something out. And so, uh, I saw this need for having an elite team in Raleigh and I saw, I mean, I could tell that there was so much that it was like people wanted it. Uh, I felt like there was, um, a desire and like a need for it. And so, um, I actually had Tristan who was, in um who went to app state and was graduating around the time that we were talking about this and i had paced her through um a 10 kpr at raleigh relays and um cooled down with her afterwards just got to know her and then she messaged me like a month or two later and said hey um my boyfriend got a job in raleigh can i kind of want to go back there is there a team i want to keep training and she and I said, yes, just come here and we'll figure it out. And so um, it took a little bit. But in 2017, in September, we all were traveling to a race in um, Lynchburg, Virginia, known as the Virginia 10 miler. It's a great elite 10 mile race. Uh, love it. They're, it's great atmosphere. Uh, we were driving down there and in the car ride, we said, let's come up with a name. Let's do this. Let's like actually start this team. And we had had people tell us like, oh, it'll be a few years before something like that could actually get off the ground. And so we were like, screw it, let's do it. So we came up with a name in the car right there. We were, took us like an hour. We were throwing names around, joking, um, had some bad ones, but Raleigh distance project was the one that, uh, kind of took the cake and then, um, podcast to come soon. Yeah. Podcast (laughs) is coming soon. I promise. I've been talking about this forever, but anyway, um, so yeah, that's how we started the team and with the whole goal of kind of helping to give, 
either athletes that were graduating out of the schools there in the triangle, a place to land. That's not, that's right where they're, where they are instead of having them move out of state and kind of also creating an opportunity for developing athletes. So, um, there's, there's, there's a kind of a disconnect between elite, elite level that where people are getting professional contracts and the level that's kind of like, I didn't reach what I wanted to in college, but I know I've got a a lot more upside and they're the ones that aren't getting what they deserve because you never know what could come out of them. Like we've seen it happen time and time again with athletes that they they're given the opportunity or they just plugged away and they break out and they're not getting though what they deserve on the front side to, to, you know, make it a shorter process or whatever. So we wanted to kind of create more opportunity. And then beyond that, we wanted to bring our community along with us. Uh, the rally running community is huge. There's just so many people out there just grinding and loving it. And we've seen it. Even we started a, a Thursday morning group run and we have, we've, I've met so many new people through it. I thought I knew a lot of the running community until I, we started this and we got new faces out, That's awesome. which was really cool. And then, um, but yeah, there's just, there's so many groups of runners in rally, but no like single group. So we wanted to bring that together and we wanted to get people excited about it too. You know, having a face to follow, I think is a really cool thing. Like, I don't feel like I knew who the elite athletes leading the way for me when I was that, when I was younger. And now though, like I know who these people are through what Wazelle has done. So let's create that in Raleigh. Like let's have some female role models for our younger generations to look up to and even just our community to kind of look to for advice and guidance and all that good stuff. So, yeah. so we're doing cool. Uh, let's talk about Wazelle. You've been working with them for a while. Um, We've been walking around, you know, Boston the last few days and people keep recognizing you. Um, tell me more about the community that you have with, with, with them. Yeah. Wazelle has been, I mean, I, like a lifesaver. I almost feel like I, when I graduated college, I didn't, I had a terrible final season and I didn't think I'd was going to be able to run post-collegially. I was kind of in that mindset of like, you just failed and nobody wants that. Like nobody's taking that runner that just failed. So, so how did, how did you get connected with them? Yeah. So I was in, I was in contact with Kristen Metcalf when I first graduated and they had told me they really wanted to meet their athletes in person, which I value so much. Like that's, Mm -hmm. that's a good thing to have. Like you don't want to just add an athlete on your team because they're fast. You want someone that's a good person and they value kind of that, the personalities and stuff of the people that they have on the team. And so I was like, that's totally fine. I cried for a few hours <laughs> after that phone call, but I, she said, keep in contact with me. And I was like, we'll do. So the entire first year after college, I emailed her after every single race and they were not good. So like I would run, and I'd be like, it was bad, but this is, this is what I did. And she'd be like, it's okay. Like keep going. And I was like, Ugh, all right, fine. <laughs> I will try. So I kept, I just kept racing and kept emailing her and she kept being like persistence. Yeah. Just you're, you're good. And, um, at the end of the year, she was like, you've been really persistent. <laughs> so we'll add you to the volley. And so I joined the volley and I didn't even know at the time that I was missing a team atmosphere until I joined the team. And I went to the first meetup and I met, uh, Allie, um, train race pace for anyone who wants to follow her. Um, and she came up to me and she's like, 
you're going to be on the hopefully in no time. And I was like, I just am happy to be here in general. Like I just, I'm just happy to be on the volley. Like I don't even care. I just want to be a part of this. And then, so Can you then explain what the hopefully is. Yeah. So the hopefully is just the, it's like their emerging elite program. Um, and it's like, they're kind of in between the professional and, um, uh, and then the volley is their membership based team, which is kind of nationwide and anyone can join. I think they open the team about four times a year. And, um, I think, and you can sign up, you get a singlet, you get discounts, you can go to bird camp, which is the coolest thing ever. Um, there's a bunch of different perks. And then part of that money from your membership goes towards the emerging elite fund. Uh, and then also a program that they have that's called bras for girls. And that gives, uh, I think girls that can't afford it or whatever, uh, at that one age group kind of sports bras so they can get into sports. Cause that's a big emerging issue is women at that, that don't have the resources just aren't being active. So, um, that's a great program, but yeah, that's kind of the breakdown Loiselle, uh, volley and hope volley. So, but when I joined the team, the volley was kind of more of like a invitation only thing. And then they had the flock, which was basically what the volley is kind of now, I think. Um, but yeah, so I joined and it was really cool to see the progression from my post-collegiate first year to my first year being on Wazelle. Even actually the first like few months being with Wazelle. I had run a 119 half in uh in, like November of 2013 and then or October, whatever. Um the following year I ran a 116 in my second and then a 11349 in my third and that was you know right after join joining the volley and serious progress <laughs> it was huge i was like i don't know what just happened but i yeah, think it's those you guys go, yeah yeah i was like i think it's these ladies they're they're i mean it's it was women of all ages and backgrounds and paces and i mean that's the power of community right yeah. like i i joined um i joined a new coaching group in july and it's like you have this like raving group of fans that applaud every workout and it's just like a psychological boost that you're not just doing it for yourself. Yeah, it was, that was the year that I also realized like my grandfather had passed away in February of that year. And I, when I went to his, his funeral, I remember thinking like these, all these people that came, he was a football coach. He was, he was a coach of everything really. Um, but he was so impactful in people's lives through what he did and I was like, I want to do that. And it took joining that community to realize that that's where I was going to do it. Like, that's my opportunity to impact people's lives. And I need to do like, I want to love running because I want to have a difference to other people. And it took the pressure off of me to perform for me. It was, it became like, I want to do this for other people. And it, and then, so when I would wake up at four thirty in the morning to go run, I wasn't upset about it because I was thinking about the fact that like I'm doing this for other people and I would think about them instead of myself in those instances. And it made a huge difference. Like I, like, I mean, my times just got faster and I was so much more wholesome and happy with it. It was crazy. We'll get to, I had sort of a follow up question, but I want to ask another one first. So what got you out the door the first time? Um, I don't know. Uh, it's funny because, oh, actually, so after I finished my collegiate season, regionals kind of just cut short. Um, I was first out in both of my races. I was 13th in the 10K, 8th in the 5K with the two people 
sixth and seventh in my heat being the two fastest times that went on. So it was, you know, you know, um, I, I, I think I joke that I like to fail like the best way <laughs> possible and that like dropping out of the Olympic trials, first marathon, like yeah. perfect failure. That was really good job. Well <laughs> done. Um, and then that was a really well done fa- failure there too. But uh, that but, week, but was it a failure though? No, it wasn't. It's, it's more of, well, you know what I like to think is maybe it was, if it was not a good, it was a failure, but it was a, it wasn't a good day, but yeah. Did you learn? Yes. That's, that's the point. Like I, I learned a lot from both of these scenarios and you look back at them and you're like, I'm happy that happened. Um, so I, I remember seeing you at the Olympic trials, you know, we got coffee or whatever beforehand. Yeah. And then the next day, um, I remember getting a message from you like, I'm currently sitting on the sidewalk and I can't, I can't move. <laughs> yeah. So what got you off the sidewalk besides um, like the EMT that, you know, gave you. Yeah. That, I mean, that whole thing was a whole story in itself. I mean, I dropped out and then was like, I am just, that was dumb. Like, why did I even drop out? And then I passed out an hour later <laughs> from heat exhaustion that was not diagnosed by the medic. I mean, it was like um, 85 degrees was that day terrible. by like 10 a.m. in um, L.A. That was an easier pickup than that was an easier pick me up though than when I when I graduated. I actually there was this is like there was a guy that emailed me. I don't even remember who who it was. He messaged me on Facebook Messenger after regionals. My I think actually I think I tried to go do the Portland Track Festival 5K to kind of like bounce back. Bounce back yeah. and it was also not great. Um and coming off that, I remember not wanting to get out of bed for like a week. Like I was just like this like how could everything end just like this with like nothing else left um i put my identity in running more at that point but um some random stranger just said you know you need you should keep running and i was like you're right dude (laughs) let's do this all right i'll run i'll keep running and i don't know that i at that point had any um specific goals in mind i was just like let, why not try? Like, I'm, I'll just, whatever. My coach was like, I'll keep coaching you, my college coach. So I was like, all right. And then I think I was just going through the motions for a bit, just doing it. Um, and then finally, like it came together, but <laughs> it was a year of like, just nonsense. I don't even know. And then after the trials, um, I, I, I think I was like, oh, I only ran a half, half of a, a marathon. So, Maybe I'll just keep training. And but before I ran that marathon, I was like severely overtrained. So that was dumb. But I also didn't have anyone saying like, "Don't do that." Like I just was like, uh, yeah. kind of. <laughs> I only ran a half marathon. Like we're good. Um, and I took like a week or so down. We were in Yosemite, which probably also helped. We were in Yosemite. I didn't run that much, and I just enjoyed that. But I do remember sitting in the in the room a couple of days after. And I looked at my boyfriend and I said, um, I said, uh, am I going to be okay? And he said, I can't remember what he said. He said, well, of course you are. And I was just like, okay, you know, I, I mean, I got to just got to move past this. Yeah. But I think I also thought back to those periods of time when like after my collegiate season ended that I was able to get back off that. Like I was able to get, you know, get myself back in a better train of thought and, and training and all that stuff. 
And so I just kept going. And I, I initially was like, oh, I'll qualify in the 10K. No, that was not going to happen. <laughs> it was a bad. So I think after that season, I took, I was like, I'm going to get an entire month off and I'm not going to do anything. I think I tested inside tracker coming out of it, trying to make sure that I was ready to go. And then it was just like, let's pick a new marathon. Let's do, let's like, let's, let's do this. And, um, and it worked out well. I mean, I went to Indy and ran a good first marathon and it was, it was fun. So, so why do you do it? I know you've talked a lot about the inspiring other people. Is that, is that the goal to help other people see that there's always more that can be done and there's more that, you know, people can get out of themselves. Is it something else? Yeah, that's, that is honestly the biggest reason is the inspiring other people. The other thing that I always think about, and sometimes I get emotional when I even think about this, is my grandfather, last time I saw him, he said, uh, when I get better, I'm going to come to your next race. So that's always in the back of my mind. Like, yeah. as long as I still love this sport, I need, I'm going to keep doing it because he's going to keep showing up there too. And if I don't keep showing up, then like, I don't know, like that's not going to, that's not going to work for me. Right. So, um, keep trying to think of that in, in addition to the way that I can impact people. Um, I just, and I'm living my passion and I think that's like, that's a, like a, it's what you should do. Like you should do what makes you like thrive and your best self and running's right, right now that's running for me. It may not be for the rest of my life. It may turn into something else and, I, that's what I'm going to chase when I get there. So, yeah. So one of the things that helps the running community go around is sponsorship. And so how do you navigate being authentic, being organic with having the resources that you need to continue? Yeah. So I am a big believer in, and you know, working with companies that I believe that believe I believe in and that believe in me. Um, the, I, the authenticity is a huge piece for me. And I, so I work right now with inside tracker, um, jazz yoga, um, Wazelle and you can, and then Raleigh distance project has a whole another group of sponsors. Um, but the ones I work with individually were companies that I had worked with prior to even becoming sponsored by them. And I, wholeheartedly believe in them. And so like, I will talk about them and you will be like, well, you're sponsored, but it's because I think that like they are super helpful for other people and that other people would, would like love to hear about them and how I use them and why I use them. And I can tell people that, and I can talk about it passionately because like I legitimately care about those things. So yeah. Cool. Um, what tips do you have for someone that's maybe a year or two or five or just coming out of college, you know, just behind you, um, that's also looking to, to navigate these waters with brands and, you know, things like that. I would say find a brand that in a, in a company that cares, like that supports you and cares about you and is not just there for your, that's going to put that pressure on you. Cause a lot of times I think in, in post-collegiate running, the world is very, it's, it's, there's a lot of pressure filled, especially if you're like trying to be just a professional athlete, right? Like your income, your everything is based on how you do every single day of the week. And that 
may not work for you and that may work for you, but it ha- you have to find where that is because you're going to have ups and downs. You're going to have periods where you're not running as well and you're going to have to know like how is how are your sponsors going to respond to that? Now, are they going to be forgiving? Are they going to allow you to kind of navigate those waters or are they going to be like cut? Like you got to know like this is going to be um, a good situation or bad even, no matter what happens. And so kind of thinking about that and then thinking about like, do you like the brand? Like, do you like those shoes that you're running in? Or are you just taking them because you're, they're free? Like, that's the thing that I think was also that I didn't realize when I first started was like, don't just take free things because they're free. Right. Like, make sure that they, they work for you. Um, and so that's kind of what, where, where I am on all that. But yeah. So yesterday we were talking about the use of social media and sort of the balance between um you know highlight reel versus real life versus like woe is me you know i'm perpetually injured um and again not saying you're at one of those steps in the process but how do you how do you try and use social media to connect with the the average runner i know we were talking about you know elite elite elites you know versus nba players and we can aspire to be like the super elites. We can't necessarily aspire to be like you know LeBron, for example. Yeah, so that's funny. I remember telling you, I was talking to you about this yesterday because I was saying that um, oh, sometimes when I post like things that are really sad, I get like the most likes on them. <laughs> and I'm like, well... Well, well, right. But those are, those are like speaking from the heart. Like that's just coming out of me. Right. And, but then there becomes a point when you can't just keep posting sad things. Like you've got to get something positive to come out. And that's, um, kind of where, but the balance I think is like the people, people need to connect with the process and the pieces that are similar in the fact like, like there's, you could be at a different pace. You could be at a different place generally, but the little things that you think about as a runner, the little things that happen to you, the injuries or the health things, or just the way you feel about training sometimes, everybody has the same thoughts. So sharing those things, even sharing that like I, like we talked the rest day brag stuff, like sharing that I only watched, walked 352 steps today is fine. (laughs) Like it's good. Right. People do more sh- of that. People well, not a lot of that, to. but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe once or twice a week. Yeah. Like I don't have every day being like this crazy day, right. like knowing, being able to also connect with people on the fact that we're just like them is really helpful. And then, um, yeah, sharing about training the good days and the bad days, um, you know, cause people can learn from those things and, it's just because you're at the, like a super elite level does not mean that you're different. Like your right. body still acts the same unless you're Mike Wardian, which I <laughs> am still in awe over him. I would love to just like chat with him for like a day and we, me and him could probably talk forever cause we both like to talk. You'll but. have to have him on the podcast <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> or yeah. come to California and we can uh, do a podcast together. Yeah. That'd be fun. Um, what gets you really excited? Oh gosh. A lot of things. <laughs> Let's hear um, one or two of them. Well, like, why do you get out of bed in the morning? Um, or today, like, off the floor. Why did you get off the floor today? <laughs> well, um, there was food promised at the place <laughs> I was going. So there's that. Uh, I actually, when I wake were, up in were the morning. Were there muffins? Oh, no. Muffins are probably, like, my favorite 
favorite thing ever. And this nutritionist recently told me to eat a muffin after I finished like five minutes from the time I finished. There and I was go. like, no problem. You're dude. hired for I'm all on. always. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, man, how did I not know about you sooner? Um, Cause I mean, I love muffins. I love muffins more than I like anything else. <laughs> Most humans. <laughs> well, no wait, tacos are kind of high up there. Yes. We've, we did, we've gotten like, I almost got tacos again today, but then I was like, it's overkill. Stop. Um, but no, I, it's funny because I don't know. My boyfriend asked me, he says, I, I don't know how sometimes you just get up out of bed and you just go run. And I wake up, we get two hours later and I'm like, she's out there doing stuff. And I'm, and I'm just sitting here and I'm in all over it. And I'm like, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I love, I do love running. Like, <laughs> I don't know if I sound obsessive when I say that or just crazy, but I love it. Like I just, it, I enjoy it. Not that, and I even love the days when I'm like, oh, yeah, it's the process. It's, it's the, yeah. <laughs> it's the highs and the lows. And yeah. if it was always awesome, it wouldn't be as no. enjoyable. Yeah. If it's not hard. Why then, do it? Yeah. Like, it, I don't know. There... So what are the crazy goals you have for yourself over the next two to five years? So, um, coming up in grandma's, I really, at grandma's marathon, June, um, I really want to run my OTQ which I have been kind of trying to chase down now for a couple of years. And um, unfortunately, my PR marathon was outside of that window. Um, but, and I, and you know, go, right now going through the struggle has been a little bit hard to get back there. I had two races last year, grandma's and Indy, um, that were just a couple minutes off the standard. Um, a little frustrating with, with that. I set, stepped back from the marathon just to, kind of regroup and do some faster stuff to help me get better at the marathon. But, um, that's what I kind of want to do coming up. And then I kind of, if I get it at grandma's, I want to take like a nice break and then I just want to have fun in the fall and then, but not do what I did before the trials <laughs> of 2016. Just packing a lot of training. Yeah. I, well, I went from, I was, I got, I got, we the 12 K championships. I had a great fall that year, like just fantastic. And then you know, I was like, I need a real, and you really need a break. So I took eight days off in like mid November and then was like, I'll oh, just like, you know, build my volume back up. Like I normally would. So I started from like 30 miles, 30, 35. And then I got to like mid December and I was like, I'm still only in the thirties for miles. And I have to get to the hundreds. I didn't have to get to the hundreds, but my mind told me that. And so I went from like 35 to like 70. It was a really bad idea. So, um, not get myself in that boat, but, um, kind of, you know, have fun and do races that I enjoy shorter stuff probably, and then get ready for the 2020 trials and go from there. But, um, I know big goal wise, I want to get back to, you know, some of those half, my half PR, I want to break that. And I want to break my marathon PR. I would love to run a low two thirty marathon, which I think is possible based on some, what I've run in the past. And, um, but I want to, I want to be patient with it. So, the biggest thing that I want to do is work on that patience in getting, allowing myself to the grace to kind of take my time getting there and not feel like I have to do anything. Um, so that's kind of, I think my five-year plan. I also really want to get Raleigh distance project off the ground. Um, we've had a lot of good strides in the past pun couple intended. of years that we've been here, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Pun intended. Um, but I really want to kind of continue to grow that, that team and do more for the community and more for 
the people around me and, you know, add athletes, have a men's team. Maybe if they can get, if we can get some men together to want to do that. Um, but yeah. Cool. What would you tell Andy of 2012? Oh, so many things. <laughs> I actually posted about this. I think recently, uh, cause there are so many things going through my mind at that point in my life. Like I, I was it, but it was so little about, uh, just, it was so much wrapped up in running fast so that people thought things about me instead of running fast because I wanted to run fast or because it would benefit somebody in some way. I, that didn't even cross my mind as a collegiate runner. Um, I also didn't kind of look at my surroundings enough. I felt like I I didn't know who the top runners were. I kind of did, but I didn't really invest myself in like learning how they did things. And so I kind of wish I could tell my younger self to, to learn more, to be more inquisitive, to be more open, less rigid, to be flexible, to give, to allow myself to make better decisions without making myself feel bad about it. And to, Eat lots of muffins and tacos, <laughs> please, like 100%. I mean, that would be a great place to sign off, but like I have a couple more questions. <laughs> so we'll, we'll circle back to the tacos later. Okay. Um, so you're a coach now. Um, what, what has that taught you about your own training? Yeah, no, I love, I love being a coach. It's been, I not, I'm still kind of new to it, still learning the, like different athletes and different ways of doing things. But um, it's taught me from what I've kind of realized is a little bit more about how I, what I, what my body needs to run well. Cause I think it's so different for everybody. Training needs to be super individualized because no person operates the same. Also, you don't have to do everything perfectly. So I took like Thursday off last week, which was something I wouldn't have done normally. I would have just soldiered through it right. even though I was sick and that's how I get into trouble. Um, so kind of coaching people has also taught me that like, you know, that they don't always like when I, when they ask me a question about like, should I, can I do this instead? Like I feel tired. Like if I can tell them, yes, why can't I tell myself? Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, but then also too, I've learned that my, I work better with kind of having a little bit more of a speed base to begin with because I've got, I think I have a little more of that fast switch muscle, which I learned from reading different coaching books and stuff. Um, so I, when I'm marathon training, I can't just be grinding out my mileage at marathon pace. Like I need to have, um, start with something where I'm, you know, start with a base where I'm, you know, doing a little bit more on the faster side so that marathon pace can come a little bit easier for me. And that works for some people. And I think other people, you know, let's just grind marathon pace, um, maybe throw in some sprints at the end, but they don't need to do a ton of that top end speed because they don't have the same like muscle compositions. So it's, it's kind of taught me about different training scenarios and in ways that I can optimize my own. So, yeah. Cool. Where can we find you on social? Uh, at run for a cause and that's run and then the number four and then a C O Z Z. So, um, that's my Twitter and Instagram. So, and where did that come from? Uh, I mean, so my first name is, Andy. So it starts with an A and then, um, cause my last name is Cazarelli. And so when I was younger, my sister was always known as cause. And then I was like kind of a cause, little cause, whatever. Um, and so I was like, what? Sh I had a really terrible Instagram. No Whoa. Twitter name. What was it? I didn't make it. So, 
the guys a on my likely, team. I, a likely story. No, no, no. It's for real. The, I told you this story. So when I was at regionals in 2012, the first year I went to nationals, we were in Bloomington, Indiana, and there's these tornadoes coming through. And I'm pretty sure that my coaches told some of the guys on the team to like distract me or something. I'm not really sure. So we were at a coffee shop and they were like, let's make a Twitter for you. And so they made me a Twitter and it was fine and dandy Andy. And I was like, I can't have this for the rest of my life. Like I, and I, so I was like racking my brain for like ever. First of all, I never used it. So I just had it. And then when I finally was like, I should use this. I was like, I don't like this name. Like, let me think of something better. And then, you know, at the whole like run for a reason, um, have motivations that are, more than just yourself i came across run for a cause like cause sounds like you're talking about a cause so that's where it kind of stems from and it it just seemed to work perfectly and i was like all right let's do it cool I got it yeah and sometimes the cause is tacos and muffins it is yeah there we go 100 percent. told i promise we'd get back to tacos and uh on that note uh <laughs> thank you so much for this yeah. and uh and safe travels home thank you thanks for having me on of course that's it for today's episode. Like many long runs, it's sad when it has to end. I hope you join in next week on For the Long Run. And in the meantime, happy trails. If you've enjoyed this episode, it would mean a lot to me if you shared it so that others can find it and enjoy it too.